And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Champion contenders, we drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, banner 12 plus 6 here. Aaron Neesman. Top rookie, I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum. Hi. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? Hey, <laughs> Jay, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to. Everything is possible! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Jay King, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic. And we are joining you after the Celtics dropped two games in a row, a decent loss to the Utah Jazz, and just a dreadful performance against the Cleveland Cavaliers to drop to 20 and 20. They are seventh in the Eastern Conference. Nothing Jesus. is going well. And for that reason, we have brought in known Celtics believer, uh, <laughs> fan of the city of Boston, uh, Jason Tatum Stan, I would say. <laughs> that is Wozni Lambre, big Woz. Uh, oh. You know him from Basketball Buds with Jay. He also hosts Hoops Adjacent with David Aldridge. Uh, in the restricted area uh, on Fridays with Zach Harper. Waz, thank you for joining us. And uh, just, uh, I guess you're going to have fun today as I wallow in the misery of being a Celtics fan right now. Pac-Man, appreciate you having me on. Jay King hit me up. Um, I love Jay King. He's my brother. So I was like, of course, I'll come on your pod and talk shop. And, you know, I got to give the people the truth here because, you know, we're on anything is potable. We got to give the people the real rap. You know, I'm an NBA generalist. I don't watch. He's wearing a New York Mets hat, just just for the (laughs) listeners to know right now. He he came in hot. I don't don't watch um, a lot of Celtics, especially this year, because I try to watch the teams that are, like, relevant. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I haven't caught a crazy amount of um, Celtics games this year, but I pay attention to what they do. Um, because they got, got guys that I root for, right? Like, I love Kemba Walker. He's the last of the Mohicans as far New, as New York guy, New York City basketball. You know what I'm saying? CHSAA guy, um, Rice High School guy. Um, so I root for Kemba just as a New York guy, and I just love him, just what he represents as an NBA cat, right? Like, he's a model NBA player, in my opinion. So I love Kemba. 
I'm a huge Jalen Brown fan. Hashtag get Jalen some help. Um, and, you know, so I, I root for the Celtics to do well. You know, I want to see them do well. It's just the Tatum thing is funny. It's just, you know, you, you'll remember, Pac, after his rookie season, he was incredible in the playoffs for a rookie. Generally, rookies are horrible. And Jason Tatum was a plus player. And the thinking was, shit, if the baseline for rookies in the playoffs is horrible, and this guy was plus, and if we're going to just, you know, extrapolate exponentially, he's going to be the next Larry Bird. And I was like, guys, I watched the playoffs. (laughs) I remember the teams he was playing against. And I always say the same thing. Yes, he cooked Rodney Hood. Nobody in the history of life has ever cooked Rodney Hood and been anointed some future Hall of Famer for having done so. You feel me? And so that was my thing with Tatum. Like, yo, pump the brakes. But honestly, he's just proven me wrong um, pretty much every step of the way. Not in the sense that he's become some undeniable superstar on the level of, you know, LeBron or KD or some shit. But just like he's gotten better at playmaking. He's an incredible defender. I personally would like to see him get to the cup more and not settle for the sort of step back in between game stuff. But he's he's improved upon his game every single season. So, like, as skeptical as I was, and, you know, I know I'm going long-winded here, but really what triggered me was my man Brian Windhorst. That's my boy. That's my guy. <laughs> I love Wendy. Before his second season on a team with Al Horford, before his body had broken down and he was a, you know, a basically a pumpkin on a team with Al Horford and Kyrie. Jason Tatum's going to be the best player on the team this year. I was like, yo, Wendy, don't, you don't even do this. Cause to me, that's the weather vein. Like of like people were just going crazy with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum in his second year is going to be better than Kyrie. How? And so that's, I think that's Kyrie how I got the, the same reaction too. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I got the reputation as a Jason Tatum hater. So shouts to everything. You do like to take listeners. shots at him too, though, when you get a chance. You you Man. still lean into it. <laughs> because you know, I can't help myself. The, the the New York City guy in me is very antagonistic, which Boston people should appreciate. You guys have some of the same tendencies and traits to, you know, just poke the the, the bear every now and again. Are you actually a Mets fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Mets fan. I'm a Mets fan. Funny thing about being a Mets fan, I used to um I used to be like somebody who supported the Red Sox. Like, cause before 2004 or five, whenever they fucking won. We were um, lovable. Lovable losers. Yes, yes. They reminded me of the Mets. <laughs> the number one nemesis was the Yankees. Um, you know, just perennially losing in fucking heart-wrenching fashion. I used to see, I could see myself in Boston Red Sox fans. As somebody, because it's different. You guys hate the Yankees, but y'all get to live in Boston while doing so. As a New Yorker, and you hate the Yankees, it's it's inescapable. Like, these people are on you. They're on top of, literally on top of you all day, every single, the 27 championships. Man. Oh, the fucking, uh, the, the, the core four, blah, blah, blah. It, it's, I, it's I feel sickening. you so much on that. The uh, 2007 Super Bowl. The year the Patriots were undefeated and lost to the fucking Giants of all motherfucking teams in the worst fashion possible. I was in college in fucking New York, man. Oh, Lord. Giants fans were going wild, and I just wanted to 
to, to murder die. everyone. Yeah. No, 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 I did not want to die. I wanted everyone <laughs> at my school to die. <laughs> and so, yeah, then you guys won in 04, then you won again, then you won. I'm like, I don't fuck with these cats no more. They're fucking winners. Fuck them. Well, winners is not something I would say about this current Boston Celtics team. You talk about Tatum and being the best player on the team. Certainly was not the case with the Kyrie Irving, but he is the best player on the team now. There was some crazy stat where it was like the on-off in the Jazz game. In 38 minutes, they were plus 13, and then they were in his rest of the 10 minutes, minus 21. The last 10 games, I saw the stat on NBC's Boston. I didn't find it myself. They're like plus two net rating with Tatum on the court and minus 15 without him, mm. which is just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what the fuck? That's Steph Curry level. Yeah. And, well, it's also like the the supporting cast just isn't good. Yeah. And Danny H came out on the radio today and was like, yeah, it just seems like we don't have a lot of uh, qualities of a championship team. And it's like, Danny, <laughs> whose responsibility was that to put together a championship team? And they're the question behi- I They're have, behind the Hornets and the, the Knicks, right, in the standings? But yeah, <laughs> pretty sure you haven't shown too many of those qualities. I just don't know what to do from, like, a Celtics fan's perspective at this point is, like, do you go out and try to make a push for a guy like, I don't know, like the best player I can, like, fathom that they could bring in is Harrison Barnes. Does he put you over the edge against the Nets uh, or the Sixers in the East or even the Bucks? I don't really think so. Does that make the Celtics seller at the deadline? My biggest fear is that the Celtics have turned into kind of the Atlanta What would they Hawks. sell? Anything. Tristan Thompson for whatever. Anyone who wants semi Ojale can give me a second-round pick. I don't know. what like, But standing pat doesn't really make sense. And it feels like, are they in early aughts to the Atlanta Hawks uh, destination where they're going to make the playoffs every year, but – they're never going to be bad enough to get a great lottery pick, and they're never going to be good enough to really contend. Have they just kind of like fashioned themselves into uh, the NBA mid mid range, basically? I'm more bullish on this current team than it would seem warranted based on how they've played so far this year. But you know, and and it's been said ad nauseum, like how important can Marcus Smart be to a freaking team? But he is really important. And he missed a lot of time. Kemba Walker missed a lot of time. This, these are guys like these are two key ingredients to what they do. Um, as far as standing pat or not, it, you know, all I ever hear in the media, which again, this is another thing, the Danny Ainge freaking cupping his balls and slurping them in the media. Jay King's a beat me. writer. I'm a fan. Jay King's the media. It kills me. It kills me. It really kills me. And all I heard this offseason, well, Danny's got that $30 million trade exception. Oh, he, oh they're going to be so dangerous in the trade market. Oh, Danny, 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 Danny. All right, so use it. Finally, do something. Yes, they should be absolutely trying their best to upgrade the roster because they, they just don't have as many rotational players Quality NBA rotation players, as you would have expected. Um, you know, you know, we've all heard the Harrison Barnes stuff. I think he would help a lot. Uh, I don't know that he would move the needle like that crazily, but he would help, right? I think getting healthy is really what needs to happen. Like Kemba needs to get healthy. Marcus Smart needs to get healthy. When those guys get right, they're going to be really good. And I just think in a playoff series – I don't think they get, you know, 
the doors blown off by even a Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn is obviously clearly the favorite to come out the East. They have to be at this point. The way they've played in the last month and a half has been it's been ridiculous. Like you, you can't. They've beaten quality teams. They've beaten crap teams. They've kicked the hell out of these teams. Like you can't argue with the results. But I think because of the wing versatility, they'll st- they're still one of the most switchable teams because of their three big wings. Um, obviously, Kemba, Kemba doesn't fit into that conversation. But I think uh, somebody like Harrison Barnes does fit into that conversation as far as a switchable wing, a guy who can space out when you let your two your two big dogs create for you um, in a spread offense. And so I think they're well positioned to be a quality playoff opponent, but the injuries and let's face it, this is the thing about Kemba and Marcus Smart. These guys are pretty injury prone cats, right? So it's not a given that they're going to, it's not like James Harden where if he misses a week, you're like, this dude never misses games. He's going to play. Right. That's not the case with these cats like they they've been missing games essentially their whole career. So I think it hinges, you know, a lot of how this season is going to play out is going to be that injury luck. But but, to you know, I know I'm long winded, but like to get back to what you said, they need to do something as far as bringing some people in because the rotation is proven to be not of a high quality. Yeah, I, I think. For the Celtics right now, to me, there's kind of like two lines to straddle. And I think the two lines are right now, you want to upgrade the team, first of all, because I do think this team in a playoff setting is better than it's been all season. You can eliminate some of the minutes that you've given to the two center lineups. You can eliminate, you know, the Jeff Teague minutes and the Carson Edwards minutes sometimes or like you can eliminate those guys from the rotation. When you cut the rotation, this team, the top end talent is still pretty good. As long as they're healthy. I mean, they um, still got Peyton Pritchard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the great exactly. White exactly. <laughs> um, but, but I think so. You, I think they sh- need to try to upgrade the roster right now and be competitive. Number one, because they have a chance to still make a decent run, win a round or two. Um, but number two, I think you're at risk of pissing off Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown because mm. those guys are used to now going deep into the playoffs. And they must look around this season and be like, man, we're averaging 25 and seven rebounds each. And, and it's not enough. And we're taking criticism because of it. And like, I think, so that's why I think you need to be aggressive now. And then number two, I think you need to keep in mind that like two years from now, when Kemba Walker's contract expires, they should keep flexibility and, and keep flexibility to, to chase another star Embiid and Jokic are both up those years. You know, you, you could look at that like 24 year old Jason Tatum, 25 year old Jalen Brown. Those guys could be sells for free agents. And I don't know if it would be Embiid, Jokic, whatever, but I think having the flexibility to put someone else next to those guys when Kemba Walker is too old to be that next piece, I think is very important. My concern is that is Kemba over the hill. Like, he was scoring 30 points a game easy last season and like just casual thirties. We have not seen him do that. And basically with the Celtics, the way they're handling his injury, he is just not playing on back to backs. And that's they're hurt them just, so much. They, that's they look them. so bad on the second night of back to back. I think they've lost their last five second night on a back to backs. Ever since Tatum got COVID, he's looked awful on the second night of back to backs. He's mentioned the other night that he's still feeling that. Like they're basically just punting uh, those games because the roster is just not good enough to survive without Kemba. 
But you mentioned Jay, that's waiting two years to kind of have that roster flexibility. Well, you don't have to like wait. Like you can still make moves to be better now. Like Harrison Barnes, he would still allow you that flexibility. His contract is up, I think, the same year. Like you can still make moves to better the team now and keep flexibility for later. I know it's just I, with Kemba, it's like, are you going to want to pay your what is he, the fourth best player on the uh roster? Thirty million dollars. I, I look. This is, and this is another thing that. And again, because we on everything is potable, we got to keep it real with the, with the people that are listening. This is another problem I have with media discourse. Why the fuck are we talking about 2024? Like, why? Like, what, 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 what does that serve us? I know the fans love to get excited about, oh, we might get this uh, Embiid. You're not getting Embiid in 2024. Well, it, it's not even about that to me. It's more like I don't think this team is talented enough right now to compete. And so to at risk of letting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown walk so, four or five years from now, the Celtics need to be smart about the moves to capitalize later in their contracts. So here's the thing. Either Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are those type of cats that when you bring quality around them, they lift them up to championship contention or they're not. And you shouldn't be sucking their dicks anyway. That, that's my <laughs> feeling on it. You understand what I'm saying? Like, either you are those dudes or you're not. Either you are of the level of somebody who, once you get competence around you, your team is going to reap the benefits of that because you're so damn good. A rising tide lifts all ships, and that's what you guys represent. Or you don't, and I don't need to kowtow to you cats. This, like, to me, that's the thinking. But it's not the thinking. When... You're a GM and you're self-interested in the longevity of your freaking job. It's always good to be saying, well, the kids, well, the kids, well, the kids, well, the kids. That's the easiest way to stay longevity. Like another one of my infamous nemesis is Sam Hinkie. It's like, oh, he's a genius for coming up with the process. Oh, he's a genius for saying his job might take 10 years to do. <laughs> Like, like it's it's so obviously self-interested to position things that way as a as management. But in the meantime, we have to watch a team that's 20 and 20. So what are you talking to me about 2024 for? You know, not you specifically, J. King, but I feel like whenever well, I, I hear that specifically type of, say that. No, but I'm just saying, whenever <laughs> I hear, whenever I hear that type of long-term thinking, I know that's a media cat that got a management dude in his ear. Well, you know, long-term, we're going to be doing this. Who else is, like, as a fan, what, why do you care about 2024, 2025 when you're invested in this season and this is supposed to be a good team? That don't make no sense to me. You know what I'm saying? So either these guys are good enough or they're not. So make sure you put the pieces that are around them. And when that time comes, the fans can have that conversation about, can Tatum walk? Can Brown walk? I mean, like, we had them. We put people around them. Freaking Toronto and Kyle Lowry took them to seven games last year. That was on the brink with some guys that I'm supposed to be deathly afraid of losing. That, that, just, that, that just doesn't make any sense to me. But I think why it's relevant, especially to the Celtics, is when Ainge took over the team, he had two all-stars, Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. Mm. And, and he looked at that team and he, he, he decided that these guys aren't good enough. And he stripped down that team, and Pierce was the only one who survived it. And and so I, I think Ainge could look at this team and be like, you know what? This is sort of similar to that, where I have these two young guys 
and and maybe they are good enough, but he needs to strip down other things and really rearrange stuff to get them to the level that this team needs to be. And so that's why I think the like two years ago, the Celtics were talented enough. Like that team was loaded. You look at the what those guys are doing now. Like even Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown. Are you those talking guys, about the team that lost to the Bucks. Yeah, those guys. The one, all the one Kyrie gave up on. The, okay, the, one, the ones that won 40, 48 games. Like those guys, they were <laughs> they were loaded with talent though, and and so the the conversation was kind of different back then. Now I don't think this team is talented enough. You need to to really change the roster and upgrade the mm. roster at some point um, while well, staying competitive now. Well, part of the problem is they have three centers and Robert Williams, it feels like, is clearly the best one. He's the best one today. And they're still going to, when Tristan Thompson gets back from COVID, he's probably still going to get 18 minutes a game. I'm a huge Daniel Tice guy, but he's just not uh, doing it on the defensive end. They have a, they need to figure out a way. Robert Williams played 26 minutes and it was a season high against the Cavaliers. And that was basically out of necessity. He's clearly raises the ceiling of the team. At what point does Brad Stevens need to be like, he's our starting center. Let's play him at least 30 minutes a game. Just because if you're going to, if you're talking about this season and surrounding your top two guys with talent, he's the most talented big they have on the roster. Yeah. It's tough for me, especially as somebody who um, has been a bit like a really a, a fan of Tristan Thompson's from, cause what he did in the 2016 playoffs, right? Like this really switchable guy who gives you just enough rim protection that you can get by with him at center. He's, you know, a vertical spacing threat who could catch lobs. And every now and again, he'll, like, catch it around the basket and do something with it. He's not that dude anymore. Not at all. He just isn't. that. It's been. It's five years later. He's had a lot of injuries. He's just not that. Like, the theory of Tristan Thompson would be perfect. On this team, that kind of five that's able to, you know, chase guards out to 30 feet out when he's blitzing a pick and roll or just straight up switching at the end of the shot clock or playing a traditional drop drop coverage like that level of versatility to defensively at your center position would basically erase so many problems that this team has right now. But that's a that's that's a that's a fantasy of Tristan Thompson, right? It's like, you know, when I was when I was 19, I had a six pack, y'all, believe it or not. And it's close. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's closer to a 30 rack or a keg now. But, you know, like, th- th- that's Tristan Thompson right now, and it's unfortunate. And like you said, Pac, he's a young guy. Y'all 20 and 20 not giving him the minutes. What are we doing? You know, like if, if this is a guy that you want, we should at least be seeing what he has. And I'm, I'm also a believer in when you got a guy like that with those type of physical gifts, they're not going to learn the intricacies of NBA defenses on the bench. They got to play to learn this, to, to download that information. So I'm, I'm with you, Pac. I'm, I'm a Williams fan because I am somebody who tends to like, you know, the intangibles feel for the game, guys. I'm like, I like that. But give me the freaking raw athleticism all day. Maybe one day he'll figure out that intangible stuff and just become a monster. So I'm with you. I, I want to see Williams get more more tick. I I, I agree with that entirely. Bra- Brad Stevens keeps saying it's a medical thing only. Like, they're, they're mm. limiting the minutes because of the health history. Like, Brad has been very upfront about saying, we want to give this guy more minutes. 
we understand he's deserving of more minutes. I think they're ripe for a trade at the center position because I don't think you need three dudes who kind of do similar things in the 2021 NBA. That brings me to another point with this team. It seems like what Danny Ainge has built and what Brad Stevens wants to coach are kind of at odds. Like Brad wants to play this ball movement, like everybody passes, everybody's involved, play five skilled guys at once, and and they just can't do that. Like <laughs> they they don't have like you look at Utah, they bring Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles off the bench, like two guys who are just firepower and angles angles yeah. is super underrated to me like he can really run a pick and all roll. of the things he can do right he's six eight like he just gives you three point shooting everything the celtics don't have any like they bring grant williams or they bring like like shimmy ojale who's become a good shooter but can't give you any of the passing or ball handling and so i i, I do think there's like the roster is at odds with what brad wants to do um, and, I, yeah, and, and I think that's and I think that stems from remember when he was doing that egalitarian stuff. He had Al Horford playing center, who is one of the most skilled centers we've ever seen, <laughs> right? Like when it comes to pick and pop, when it comes to the sort of dribble handoff stuff, you can work them at the elbow and create offense from there. Like when you don't have like a Kyle Lowry like a Mike Conley, right? Like these table setting guards, you need guys who are plus at their, for their position at that sort of table setting playmaking stuff. And look, Kemba's never been anybody's idea of John Stockton and whatever, like he's been so good at so many other things. And obviously we know Tatum and Brown, that's not their bread and butter. These these homies want to get buckets. I think because they don't possess that, exactly what Jay King is saying, they don't have somebody who can unlock that because they don't have the guys who are plus playmakers for their positions, right? Like they don't have a single person who is that. Um, and and that's and that's tough. And, and that's tough to play the way Stevens wants to play. And I also think it just puts so much more pressure on Tatum and Brown. Because they've grown as playmakers and, yeah. and they've gotten to a level where, where they can find an open guy, but they're not like LeBron level. They're they're not gonna play no. chess while everyone else is playing something else. And so like like I, I think back to when Terry Rozier was a starting point guard in that playoff run for the Celtics. He wasn't a good playmaker at all at that point. He's come a long way in, in Charlotte. But he had Al Horford, and the read was always exactly. obvious. It's either I have an advantage or I look back and Al Horford's open and he's going to go against a closeout and he's going to make something happen. So the reads were just obvious. Now the Celtics, like, they start Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice <laughs> when, they're, when they haven't been healthy. And it's like those are two, especially when Tice is at power forward, minus playmaker. It's, it, it's like – like there's just such a burden on the other guys on this team because of that. And Robert Williams has shown some ability. He's not definitely not the playmaker that Al Horford yeah, is, but he can he can sling the ball around. He makes some nice passes. If you like cut to the basket, he will find you. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. But the question is, who's the guy that's out there? I'm very concerned about like this trade market with the play-in tournament. Everyone thinks they're a buyer. There's not going to be sellers at the deadline. Are we you sure, though? Are we you sure can't just everyone from the Sacramento like Kings place is is going to look at, like the Wizards are going to look and be like, guys, we're we're close to that ten spot. But who's the plus uh, playmaker on the Wizards that you're going to be able to pluck from them? That's going to like upgrade the wing. Is like I would love to see Ish Smith in Boston. Ish Smith is my guy. Ish Smith is not the solution. If Ish Smith is the solution to the problems, that's ridiculous that that's the name he went to. And while he's talking about Tristan Thompson, like not having the same value, he's the guy you're spending the mid-level on. Like that's the natural salary match person. I think it's more likely Daniel Tice is the guy who gets traded just because he feels like one. He's a rest, uh, free agent, and so he's more li- probably going to get paid more than the five mil he's making this year, and he has value. I just don't know who is the guy who comes in and could just be slid into the starting lineup as a plus playmaker on the wing, or even a, a like a point guard. Jay, I know you've brought up George Hill before. He's probably available just because of the Thunder, but I'm just struggling to figure out who that piece is that kind of makes it so we don't have to watch twelve to eighteen minutes of Shemi Ojale every night. <laughs> poor Shemi man and I, I do think Shemi can have like he can have a place in the NBA as a guy who spots up in the corner and defends versatility with versatility I just think like this team needs more skill they need more skill and they need more passing they need more shooting they need more dynamic creators it's like like they just they just need more of that and Gordon Hayward like when he left, that's a huge loss. And they replaced him with Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. And Jeff Teague has done little. And Tristan Thompson yeah. hasn't the done Je- much except Jeff block Teague Robert Williams from playing time. Yeah. The Jeff Teague thing hurts me because I've always been a big supporter of Jeff Teague. Just because, you know, he, that jitterbug type of guard that nobody could stay in front of. Sort of like Unfortunately, a, a everybody can Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, um, he's everybody can stay in front of him these days. You know, um, he he no longer creates advantages for his team. Like that's that was what Jeff Teague was good at. He was good at dribble penetration, puncturing the defense. Not that he was the greatest finisher at the rim, but like he would get into the teeth of defenses, and that's when you when you get sort of. Tatum and Brown, and even Marcus Smart to a way lesser extent, obviously, attacking closeouts and going downhill. Now you got something. Now you're cooking with some gas here. Uh, Teague is not providing that. He's getting destroyed defensively. It's tough. It's it, it's tough right now. And One I think question. The lack of oh, shooting makes everything tougher. Mm-hmm. For, for Teague, it makes it tougher for Tatum and Brown. Like, we talk about how those guys – especially Tatum needs to get better at, at getting to the rim. The Celtics need to make it easier on those guys. Like 
like we we look at the lack of spacing and it, it's it's so obvious like th- they start Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice like of course teams are going to be packed in the paint of course it's going to be tough for those guys to get to the rim of course they're going to have to settle for mid-range jumpers and I know some of that is habit and some of that is just who they are as players but I think everything would just be easier for those guys once they get real shooting around them and once they get real playmaking I, I just think like the lack of shooting just kind of compounds the problems that they have going to the hoop and it who did they draft with the number 14 pick mr 52 percent from three aaron neesmith he is supposed to be the shooter off the bench he is but in a dnp for what the past eight games after getting like 25 minutes a game that's the part i really don't get if you're gonna go down like you're basically having a schedule loss on a back-to-back you don't have kemba why are we not seeing any aaron neesmith minutes in just like he was good enough to be trusted for an earlier point in the season where he's getting 25 minutes a game. It just baffles me that you wouldn't put a guy whose main thing is being a plus shooter out on the court. It's, it's I just don't understand what Brad's doing there in terms of just not giving him any minutes whatsoever. But he's, he's sort of like the Shemi Ojale type where he's going to stand there and sh- like he, it's one thing to have shooting and it's like Duncan Robinson and he's coming around screens and drawing so much attention. It's another thing to have a dude who's shooting 31% and, and isn't like flying around and causing a, a drawing attention to him. So Aaron Neesmith, I mean, I he's wouldn't better, say he's he, the answer. He's more <laughs> athletic. Like he's a has more potential to be a playmaker than I think Shemi ever will, than Grant Williams ever will. It just feels like at this point in the season, if you're 20 and 20, let's at least find out just what just the wait first. for Romeo to get back, man. Once Romeo gets back. Uh, we'll see what happens when Romeo gets back. <laughs> Who knows what's going to – I have no idea if he's that, even going to play That poor again. dude, like – he was out for six months, then came back and instantly got put into health and safety protocol for weeks. And he's been out for more than a week, so he's probably tested positive. Literally the day, the day he was going to come back, he got put in health and safety <laughs> protocol. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> All right. Uh, Waz, we're going to get to our uh, segment we end every episode with, but I know you. You're, you're an IPA fan, aren't you? I am. I am big, 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 big IPA. When I'm drinking beers these days, you know, when you're out in L.A., like, you have to think about your personal sort of appearance. So I'm I'm a low-cal guy. I've been doing the hard seltzers. I've been doing tequila, which, from what I understand, is the lowest sugar of the alcohol. Um, and that's exactly You probably eat kale, too, out there. Kale or arugula. We like arugula, too. Um, So, yeah, so I haven't been drinking as much beer as I used to. Like, I used to be really, really, really heavy on the beer. But, of course, when I'm at a bar, if I'm like, if i trying to pick a beer, it's going to be an IPA. Well, and I'll try to get a local one. Well, a local <laughs> one, I would suggest grabbing the Santilli IPA from our Ooh. friends at Night Shift. The Santilli is the official IPA of Anything is Potable. They sponsor... Ooh. The Potable Six Pack is a great local beer brewed over right in Everett on the Santilly Highway. Uh, I'm having one pretty much every night, drinking a lot more when the Celtics are down by 21 to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But I'm thankful for our friends at Night Shift. Uh, apparently, fans can come back to games. They got a nice little spot right next to the Garden, uh, Long Wharf, where so you should check that out. Um, and so uh, if you guys want to figure out where you can get Night Shift, go to nsbeer.co slash beerfinder. You plug in your zip code. I don't know if they have them out in L.A. was, but they're certainly up and down the East Coast. Hey, and so 
It sounds it sounds amazing. And the fact that y'all got a, a beer sponsorship on this pod, I, yo, we gotta talk to somebody <laughs> over at the freaking sales team at the athletic, man. But but the buds need a freaking beer sponsorship. We man. do, we do. I need more beer sponsorship. Yeah, it's gotta be annoying like I was and start tweeting at beer company local beer companies. That's how <laughs> Night Shift finally relented. So I here. For the potable six pack, we normally pick the uh, the six best or most interesting. There are really no rules. It's just a reason to do a snake draft of six things. But since uh, the two last games, there were no highlights uh, for the Celtics and no great things to draft. We're going to try and pick the six things or six most important things to happen uh, for the Celtics to turn this season around. Uh, no, long term, long term, turn well, the franchise around. Turn the franchise around. Jay King stepping into the host role, making the rules. All right, Jay. Uh, I'll give you the first pick then. What is the number one no, thing? No, Waz's guest. Guest gets first pick. Well, that means all his, he also gets last pick. Damn right. <laughs> all um, right, Waz, what's your first pick? The first pick, honestly, long term, uh, the two guys have to get to the level that we saw Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic get to last year in the playoffs. If those two guys get to that level collectively, then all of this ancillary stuff is going to be just that ancillary, right? Um, As much as Denver has scuttled out the gates because of injuries, like that team, I know for a fact in the playoffs, no matter who they're playing against is going to generate quality looks because of the two cats they have on their team, period. Like, and that's not something you could say about just any old team. Like, you know, defensively, they're going to do what they do, right? Like, and we know that. But in the playoffs, when um, the best teams and the best players um, are scheming against you and executing said scheme at the highest level, as far as by percentage of possession, right? Like, we see it every single year. All of a sudden, teams that were lackluster are like, putting up, looking like real defenses all of a sudden. The Nuggets, because of their two young guys, their two cornerstones, I don't care who they're playing, you know they're going to get quality looks. We can't say that about the Celtics right now. So to me, it's about the two young guys. If they rise to the level of the two guys in Denver, um, or, you know, <laughs> of the two guys in Utah, again, you know, um, you could say whatever you want, Rudy and Donovan Mitchell have basically had those guys in the top five pretty much every year for like three years now. They've done it, you know, um, like they, they've just shown it. They, there, there hasn't been this 20 and 20 t type of scuttle. Granted, Utah right now, the pieces are so beautifully the way they fit. Obviously, that's something different. But I'm just saying, like, on a year to year basis, you can count on those guys. They just got to get to that level. And. If Ainge and the rest of them are as smart as my buddies in the media have been telling me for a decade now, then that stuff will um, work itself out. But the two main guys got to be the two main guys. Yeah, I think getting upgrading the perimeter options on the bench needs to be very important. And like that could be Neesmith, Romeo Langford developing into decent players. That could be going out and using the mid-level on someone effective, but like it, it's not good enough to to start Shemi Ojale sometimes, to play Jeff Teague big minutes, to to have the 
the options around Tatum and Brown and Walker and Smart that the Celtics have had this year. And to be forced into starting two centers. Like, Brad Stevens doesn't want to do that. He just thinks his perimeter guys are <laughs> are bad enough where that, that's a better option. And so so they, they really need to find fixes for the roster around those two guys so that if if they do get to that Nuggets young player level, then then it will matter because they'll have enough around them. I think for, for my first pick, I think they have to figure out the Kemba Walker situation. I mean, it's just tough to have him just not playing any back-to-backs. And he's just not the the playmaker, table setter that Waz mentioned earlier. It's If it's about trying to get Tatum and Brown quality looks, Kemba Walker is, and he's been great at it, but he, like scoring 50 points a game in uh, Charlotte, that's not his game is, is trying to like set up for others. He's been a very good and like a consummate teammate in terms of trying to get the ball to Tatum when he's hot and trying to get the ball to Jalen Brown when he's hot. But I don't know if it's sustainable for them to be able to kind of just hope that he kind of figures out how to transition to a playmaker or a more of a, a assist type guy in his last two years. And so if the, if the number one important thing is trying to get the best looks for Tatum and Brown, then it's figuring out who is the point guard Who's going to do that? Because I don't think you're ever going to turn into a situation where it's just Jason Tatum and or Jalen Brown are your main primary ball handler. And so Yeah, oh, but I think even with Kemba pack is that his scoring is what sets up the passing. So if he's not making shots, um <laughs> defenses have no problem being in his shirt. He has he's a smaller guy to begin with. He doesn't have the space to make these reads, to make these to make these great playmaking because that's not his instincts. I think, sad as it sounds, he has to get the buckets, and then that'll open him up to be that type of playmaker because defenses have to play him as a threat. Right now, I don't know that he has the respect of defenses in that way because he I hasn't been making them. He's struggled, too, with like trying to get in his rhythm, get into his shots, so he's comfortable making those shots. But then also it feels like the, there's not like continuity of offense where if he gives the ball up to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it's right. kind of like, like he's not getting that it's ball over. back. Yeah. So, I, also, I also think this is a subtle difference, but I, I think he needs to work on his range too. Like, mm. like so many, guards, this for so, two years so many guards are shooting five feet behind the arc, six feet behind the arc. Kemba shoots almost all his threes from right at the arc. And and yeah. especially as he loses a step, if if the knee remains an issue, like that's going to be really important to draw guys out and to get more shots off. Um, and, and you know he, who he would be good to watch? Uh, C.J. McCollum, who has been one of the best mid-range shooters ever um, his whole career. And this season, if y'all remember, there was chatter, oh, C.J.'s better than Dame or whatever. He was playing better than Dame before he went down. But a lot of it was he just decided, I'm stretching my joint all the way out because that opens everything else up for my teammates. So in the offseason, he literally put that in his game. Like, I need to stretch out further to give my guys more airspace to operate. And teams are going to respect me from out there because yeah. I've been known to shoot, you know? And and I think Jay King makes a beautiful point to, to say that about Kemba. Yeah, and Kemba knows that about himself, but, like, he didn't have an offseason this year. Mm. It, he, he was out with the, the knee issue the whole time, and so, like, he didn't have a chance to add that to his game. So I, I think that's something he he acknowledges he needs to work on. And if he stays healthy this year, you know, hopefully it'll be something he puts in 
to his game over the offseason. All right, for my second pick, we talked about it before, but it's the Time Lord. He's got to be your starting center, and you just can't. I, you just need to get Tristan Thompson off this roster. That's my that's my <laughs> thing. Like there's there's been nothing good about Tristan Thompson. I don't want him on the team anymore. I know he's supposed to be a hustle guy. He did all his things in the finals against the Warriors, but if the team needs to improve this season and in the long term, they need to do so without Tristan. Nah, come on, man. You know he's back with Chloe. Things are looking good. I heard they're trying to have a second child. He about to get right, Pack. He about to be good. His family not life a, not is even good. out with COVID. Did Chloe give him COVID? The <laughs> <laughs> second time this year, he's been on health and safety protocols. <laughs> he's going to islands, hanging out with Devin Booker. <laughs> I think uh, I'll go with Brad Stevens needs to design an offense to get good looks. Um, I think over the last few years you know they had the fourth ranked or fifth ranked offense last season um that was obviously very good but i think too often over the last three years four years they've kind of gotten away from the right shot profile and i think some of that is on the players like tatum and brown who live in the mid-range and i I think you know Kyrie was always a guy who lived in the mid-range wasn't going to get to the cup too often um but they need to find a way to change their shot profile and and get more three-point shooters on the roster, and then Brad needs to build something to to make sure that that they're getting better shots. And I don't know whether that's just hold guys accountable, more accountable, like like just be like this. We cannot fucking accept this bullshit with 16 seconds left on the shot clock or what. But it's a pattern that has emerged about this team over the last few seasons. You don't and like Shemi Ojale pulling from three with 21 seconds left on the shot clock? I kind of love that that Shemi <laughs> step back. That was oh man, that, that was me ridiculous. Waz, Waz has the last pick now. Waz has to. Um, I would like to see the Celtics, and I know they're gonna they're capable of doing it in the playoffs. But like traditionally with Brad Stevens, they've been a team that defensively grounded people into dust. That was their freaking identity. Yes, they did the continuity stuff and all of that when when Isaiah Thomas was cranking. But traditionally, Brad Stevens made his name on defense, right? And a lot of these guys made their names on defense. Jalen Brown, before he became this 25-point type of guy. It was like, yo, look at this guy's defensive versatility on the wing. Look at what he's willing to do in help. Look at how he can just smash guys in isolation. Look at Tatum becoming a crazy good help defender, even becoming a rim-protecting type of guy on the help side. When are the Celtics going to get back to their core identity of being a team that grinds teams to the nub because they are all over you on defense and they're in your shirt? I get that it's difficult a lot of times to get there when your your lead guard is as, you know, as minute, as small as Kemba Walker is, but that used to be this team's identity you know, Marcus Smart and these guys. So I would love to see them get back to that, you know, get back to being the team that you can count on on a nightly basis to crank it up defensively, right? Turning guys over, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that kind of stuff, I, like like a team like the Lakers, who there's nobody's idea of a crazy offense, but they're the best defense in the league. And when they get stops, their athletes get out in transition. The Celtics would be such an amazing transition team if they just got back to their core principles 
as a defense first squad, you know, when, but the thing is, it's tough when your two main guys are now guys who score 25 plus a game. When your two best players are those type of guys, a lot like just naturally because you get so much more attention and love for bucket getting the focus then turns to offense you know but i'd love to see them get back to that elite defense type of level and i think robert williams kind of plays into that transition stuff too he's top 11 or 12 in steal rate this year he's he's number one or two in block rate like he just creates the type of opportunities where you're just running and going. And I think like, like was said, set up Tatum and Brown to get those easy buckets. That, that could change a lot for the Celtics. That was one thing that was very frustrating about the Cavs game. It's like they cut it to within three and then it's just like, Oh, we're going to easily let Colin Sexton and, and Darius Garland just get into the lane. There was no perimeter pressure and there has not been perimeter pressure this year where it feels like any serviceable guard uh, is putting up 30 against the Celtics. And so, I agree with you, Waz. They need to do something about that defensive effort and being a grind. Get back to those Jay Crowder days, you know. I know you guys are big Jay Crowder <laughs> fans on uh, basketball. Uh, but Waz. Uh, what's his name? The Landlord? What's his um Time Lord? No, not Tom. Oh, Jay- what's Jay Crowder's nickname? I don't know. The Landlord was uh, Sheldon Williams, right? Oh, that was Sheldon Williams. My, Jay Crowder, hold on, man. I'm about to look this up on Basketball Forever. He has one of those um, strange... Jay Crowder calls himself Boss Man and only tweets in all caps. There but... you go. The Boss Man. There you go. Yeah. The Boss, the boss Man. man. <laughs> I like Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was one of the few people who granted me an interview uh, back in the day. So I'll always be a Jay <laughs> salute, Crowder fan. Salute. Uh, but Waz, uh, we appreciate you coming on. Um, you guys can catch Waz. Pretty much all over the athletic, writing about NBA fashion. He's a sartorial expert. He's on the restricted area with uh, Zach Harper on when they come out Fridays. Fridays, but we're on hiatus right now. So we wrapped up season one. We're retooling for season two, but we usually drop them on Thursdays. On Thursdays, Thursdays we would drop them Thursday afternoon. So be on the lookout for that in the next coming weeks. We've, you know, we've sort of revamped our digital department as far as um, what we're doing with audio and video, and so we got some pretty exciting things coming. And, and Jay King's gonna be in the loop of all of that too. So oh shit! Watch yeah, if you, out. That's if you news guys to the kids. Jay, Jay King's mug. Oh man! On 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 um on YouTube, you'll be seeing more of it. Trust. Uh-oh. If you want to do that, then that's that's what you have to. You'll, I mean, I'm, good luck to you if that's what you want to do. <laughs> but you can subscribe to the restricted area. You can also hear Waz uh, hosting Hoops Adjacent with David Aldridge. That drops on Wednesdays. Uh, and then you can hear him with Jay on Basketball Buds on Mondays. If you guys enjoyed our show, please subscribe. Hold on. Be- before we go, before we go, you went on Twitter yesterday, Packard, and you said it was 10 years from the time your father passed, and you, you just kind of shared a really touching uh, just memories of him and what he what he was. So I, I want to hear more about him, man. Honestly, like, just, just right, tell, yeah. me, tell me about your father right now. Man, dude was a cool-ass dude. Uh, he was a public defender in Boston for 30 years, uh, wow. so he – he was just, he went uh, from Princeton and then got a scholarship to Harvard Law School, graduated like magna cum laude, and then decided to be uh, a public defender. And that's just not, if you, anyone out there knows a public defender, like that is not an easy lifestyle. Um, and that's, I just like respect and it's that. it's not the job that you do out of Harvard Law. Like most of those cats go work on Wall Street, go work at some white shoe law firm and make bank. 
you don't make bank in this job. You do it because it's a passion. You, and so that's you, amazing. You do it because like you kind of feel like it's the right thing to do, and it's the right thing to do because everyone deserves uh, the right to kind of defense. And so I don't know. It, um, it always just kind of followed in his footsteps. It's never something that he would uh, explicitly say, but uh, he's had a kind of major impact in my life. That's why I kind of work in criminal justice now. And um, I don't know. He was just a, he was a guy who loved hoop. He, he was a big, uh, he had season tickets in the eighties for the Celtics. I mean, huge Larry Bird fan telling crazy stories about that. Um, but he's just a nerd too. Uh, I'd see him just like his fucking son. Yeah, I try not to let people in on the fact that I'm a smart dude, but uh, <laughs> but I've seen my uh, pops just like run through an entire episode of Jeopardy and get every uh, thing right. And so um, I just wanted to give a shout out to him. It's been 10 years, uh, which is wild to me, but uh, he's kind of the major reason why I kind of am pursuing the path I'm doing. Uh, he was all about justice and basketball. That's pretty much what uh, I'm about. And his main lesson in life, and I think it's a great lesson, one of his clients uh, one time got arrested wearing a hat that said, don't be a dickhead. Uh, and his name was uh, Jose was his client. And so anytime I fucked up as a kid, like didn't hold the door for the lady of the Dunkin Donuts or anything like that, he would just look at me and go Jose's hat. And I knew <laughs> don't be a dickhead. And so Jose. that's kind of, that's, that's been kind of the way I tried to live my life moving forward is just don't be a dickhead. Uh, and so I uh, just want to thank my father for that. Uh, I miss him a miss him a bunch and um uh yeah jay i don't know you kind of put me on the spot with that one although that's you told beautiful me man thank you for sharing that bro your dad sounds amazing bro yeah that, that honestly touched me on i don't get touched by much but that touched me on twitter yesterday yeah yeah if you can see the eyes is glossy right now if you can see that's not that's not fake that's real that 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 was touching the wildest thing about my dad is you guys know the whole boston archdiocese like scandal with the catholic church right right spotlight so, spotlight the main guy and spotlight came to my house because my dad had to defend like the major priest uh wow. on his criminal charges and so i'm like nine ten years old learning about like the right to a defense and the presumption of innocence and all of those things Man, and your dad is a real one um because you know because people won't understand that they'd be like well how could you no that's like that type of thinking is how we end up with a system, the system that we do end up with. Every single person deserves advocacy, right? Like every single person, no matter how heinous the crime they're accused of is. And so, yeah, it's easy to do it when it's, you know, the type of person that society has deemed is like, oh, they, you know, that little engine that could, they deserve that, that work like condescendingly, sure. It's easy to do that, but to have the courage of your convictions, even in the face of something like that, that 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 speaks volumes about the type of cat your dad is. One one hundred percent. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's wild. Uh, just kind of how much people just don't think about those things, and I'm easily like kind of cut that down. But it's it's kind of foundational to the system, and so much of the system right now is stacked just towards prosecutors, mm -hmm. uh, and they're designed to basically win in cases. And so we need strong public defense. Uh, and so if there's anything people out there can do to support uh, Brooklyn, like organizations like the Bronx Defenders like or bail funds or anything like that, Public Defender Association, Legal Aid, um, it's definitely something that uh, you should do just because it's uh, the right thing to do. And just don't be a dickhead. Do it for my pops. All right, That's guys. Uh, man. Thank you. Uh, if you guys are uh, 
I'm not gonna do the whole podcast thing. Subscribe, listen to the show, do all that stuff. <laughs> uh, and thank you for listening to this episode of as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.